Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Insane in the membrane. So there we are. So welcome to the show. It's a wonderful thing. Live from the Cambridge Comedy Festival. You're all going to be stars. All right, what we do? So we've been going about we've been going about two about two and a half years now, and we've had, we we didn't when we sort of sat around doing it. We were I was like I want to do a podcast, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. And then I ended up just talking to other comedians, and this kind of evolved. It kind of came out of a conversation I had in a green room with another comic when he asked me how I was. He said, "How are you?" And I actually told him instead of just going, "No, I'm fine." I actually turned around. And went, I've actually been struggling a little bit lately. And I've been having therapy. I've been to see some. I've been having some counselling, and he looked at me like I'd asked him to hum on my balls. It <laughs> just, it just went, what? I went, yeah, I've been having counselling, and he was like, what you, you have? I went, yeah. He goes, but I thought you were sorted. I thought you were solid. I'm like, no, no, no. That's just the front I give. I give. Like, like, no, I'm happy, go lucky, rich. I'll help you out. I'll help you out. But inside, I'm screaming. So, I needed to go and talk to someone. And as we had this conversation, he then started to talk to me about what he was going through. And we suddenly had this back and forth. And, I, and, then, and then I said to him, I said, you? And he went, yeah. And I, well, you're fine. He went, I'm not fine. And then we ended up hugging at the end of it. It was a really nice moment. And I suddenly realized, if I'm doing that and he's doing that, we must all be doing that. So let's do a, let's do a podcast, have guests on, and then see what we end up talking about. And not, People tend to get really open and honest about when they've been on. Like we've had Heston Blumenthal, he was on, and he was brilliant. It was a fascinating conversation with him, trying to find out, not trying to find out, but he just opened up and told us about himself and his life. We've had Ramesh Ranganathan, um, we've, had, we've had David Baddiel, we've had all manner of people that have come on. We also do one called Insane in the Fembrane, which is where's where I, I talk to strong, talented women, because I don't really know what it is to be a woman. Of course I don't. Listen to me. Look at me. There's nothing feminine about me. So I never knew. And like, because we, you know, we, we know about periods, but we don't know, know about periods. So I thought, I'm going to ask these questions. What does it feel like to have these things? What does it feel like to, when you go to the, get to the menopause? What's that? You know, that, they, there's things that men will never know. So that's, that's what we're doing. And now for Pride Month, we then did uh, Insane in the Then Brain. And all of our guests were, uh, they identify as non-binary which is a brand new conversation to me. Might be to other people, might not be to so much to other people, but I've never had that conversation before about pronouns and things like that, because I do get that wrong, you know, because it's a new thing. So I was like, right, let's talk to people who identify as non-binary, and then I'll find out a few things. And it's a safe space for me to ask these clunky questions 
and I do get it wrong. And I do say that I do sound like a dickhead sometimes, but I'm doing my best, and that's all you can do. You can just try. Come and join us. Come and talk about your feelings. <laughs> do you have any feelings? How are you feeling today, hungover and jaded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Actually, yeah, you. I saw you lot bobbing around last night. Haven't you got pink hair under that hat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, there is a man that thought that was a good idea for a minute. That's a good, that's a, do, the, do, the, do the collars match the cuffs? Is that, <laughs> imagine if that was your natural colour and you just got electric pink pubes. It'd be fantastic. So we're just, we're just explaining what the podcast is about. It's about mental health, but it's like, it's, a, it's like a nice, easy way to talk about these things. So what I have, I have guests on and we have a chat. And that's what we do. And that's what we all should be doing. And I'll say this to you as well. Next time you say to someone, how are you? Be prepared for them to, might, they might say how they actually feel. Or you open up. When someone asks you, how are you? Don't be afraid to turn around and go, yeah, I'm having a bit of a shit day, to be fair. And you'll open it up and you'll feel much better, I promise you. And I'd say this to someone that doesn't reach out very often. I am shit at telling people how I feel. As my friend Vix knows, when I was like the other day, and I'm like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And there's just a little tear. <laughs> so, as I said, we have guests on. And I'm going to bring on our guest now. Uh, he's a, he's a, a comedian that I've admired for many years. He's absolutely first class. He's a brilliant human being. And I think he'd be perfect for this show. So I'm going to bring, bring, bring him out now. Uh, please welcome on the stage to Fantastic, Scott Bennett. Thank you. There we are. Good afternoon, mate. It's nice, Thank you. It? What a lovely, lovely little thing this is. Isn't it? Lovely. Good to have you on. We were going to, have this, we were going to do this ages ago and I just haven't got round to it. I know you kept fobbing me off, mate. It's all right. <laughs> when you've got no options in a budget centre parks, you call on me. <laughs> That's how it works, doesn't it? This is when it. needs must, Well, it? you know. This you is know. nice, though. I, this, this is how I wanted it to be. Yeah. In an amphitheatre. We <laughs> uh, would have been in the woods. Even better. Let's do it. It feels like two men sat in front of their caravans chatting. <laughs> Can you imagine an awning behind me? It's wonderful. No, this is perfect. I feel this is... Yeah. I'd pay to chat in this environment. <laughs> it's it's nice, nice to have you here, man. Thank you very much for having and me. And what's here. your... Where, where are you from, Scott? Uh, I'm from Pontefract. Are you really? Yeah. Where that's, that famous ghost house is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's. I did. I did it, it is famous, actually, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, there's a place where it's, it's haunted. But yeah, Pontefract in West Yorkshire, mate, yeah, is right. where I'm originally from. Okay. Um, but then I moved to Nottingham. Right. Yeah, yeah that's all right. So I wanted to experience the world. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty travel miles up the road. Travel, and I thought an hour and a half is enough. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So there we are. <laughs> and you've not always done comedy, have you? You, were, you did something before this. Yeah, I had a, a proper job. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before I became a professional idiot. Um, <laughs> I was a product designer. That's so, right. Yeah, yes. a product design consultant. And I sort of, I think this is the thing, because I've, no one's done any performing in my family. No, no one's from the arts. My parents are still as confused as the day. The mum's like, what's that? What do you do, though? She just wants me to go back to the proper job. Uh, but, the, yeah, so I had, like, a proper job with a career and everything. And, um, and I think that's what you do. If you're from that sort of environment where my dad was a fireman, my mum was a hairdresser, and they just sort of, <laughs> it's like family, it's like a, a child's 
nursery book, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but like, I sort of, I sort of just thought, well, I'm just going to go and do a nine to five and get a career, and then, and then comedy sort of came in. Yeah. Left field and ruined it all. Ruined it, yeah. Now you yeah. now you just try try up and down the motorways. Yeah, yeah. It's trying not... to avoid the ginsters or the yeah. ginsters, whatever you say. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's so it, so. I think it was. I came to it very late. Really. Yeah, yeah. Is it ginsters or ginsters? I mean, you're it's ginsters. You're in Cambridge. None of these have oh, yeah, heard what you're on yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And let me ask the staff. See what they say. <laughs> But that was it, because yeah, I remember being in, we, you and I were away, we were in Sheffield, I think, working, mm. and we were wandering around, it was Christmas, I think we were in John Lewis or whatever it is. Yeah. And you were showing me, you went, I designed that, it's like a toaster. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird <laughs> one, it's sort of like, I've had that on a few things, I had like, um, uh, this is a proper name drop, and I'm not doing this on purpose, but uh, I do stuff with Chris Ramsey a lot, and he was moving house, and he took a photograph of him loading up these storage boxes. Yeah. And I said, oh, I designed them boxes, mate. <laughs> and it blew his mind. He was more impressed with that than any joke I'd written with him. <laughs> sort of like, because I think for comedians, it's sort of, it's, it is a world, like, it feels like another life now. It was so yeah. long ago. I quit in 2017, and I feel like it feels like a part of my life that it doesn't feel like I lived it now. It's so weird. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it was yeah. a really intense job that I obviously did along side comedy which yeah. created a lot of problems well, I was going to say how did you manage to balance it out because it's so antisocial what we do yeah but you've also got a family as well yeah so you've got to juggle all these things yeah and I think that's where the problems start I think because I I, um, I think the issue was I, I, I was I didn't do comedy when I met my wife Gemma we've been together for a long time now I like to say it's about two mattresses <laughs> <laughs> sort of the, the yardstick, but we didn't make it. So like, I think that when you when you introduce that into yeah. a marriage, it's almost like a mistress, isn't it? Like you go, look, I'm doing this thing. I started when I was 30 and I said, oh, this is what I want to do now. But then the problem was is that you'd built this little world of, you know, we had one child on our first child on the way. So I was 31. I had this career and then I'm sort of like going, but this is a problem now because I was so obsessed with I always been obsessed with comedy even yeah. from years ago I'd listen to it and you think oh, it's never going to be your life and then it's sort of in the background and then it sort of gets you do the work the thing was that I went to do a gig and Gemma was in the audience and it went really well it was like a gong show which is one of those gladiatorial yeah. where the audience can vote you off fucking horrible horrible <laughs> horrible but I, I I ended up winning winning that gong show on my first attempt and I think that was the if I I often think if that hadn't gone well I probably wouldn't have continued I think it you yeah. sort of tapped into something and then and then all, people always say like it's brave to do comedy I think it's braver to let someone you love do comedy I think yeah they're the one taking the hit aren't they yeah. so like so like I basically we'd gone along and I was doing comedy alongside it for sort of my job and like it must have been eight years and then and that was the real sort of pressure that it started to get harder and harder because as, as comedy gets more serious, in your head you're thinking, like, I, I had a responsibility at home, yeah. I had a responsibility to my job because it wasn't like a job I could phone in, I had to deliver. And sort of all, all this sort of tension and, and feeling of guilt yeah, yeah, yeah. just starts to sort of... You can't, you can't ever get rid of it either and that's the, yeah. the real difficulty. 
uh, and that's when the sort of wheels started to fall off a little bit. Oh, up, really? up to that decision, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, a really. I think it could have gone either way. I could have. There's three scenarios. I could have even been a full-time comic, which is where it went. I could have either lost my job or got divorced. Oh, right, yeah. Or, or one of the two. Do you know what I mean? It was like that sort of... <laughs> it was one of those moments, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a weird time. It is a weird one. It, I mean, I, like, I was, I've been married before, and that, this caused a lot of strain on yeah. it because, you know, she was working during the day. I was working every weekend. Yeah. And it was my, I'd never been married before, so I, didn't, I was new to it, so I didn't know what you did. I was just, you know, like, oh, no, I've got to do the comedy and I'm going to be away all weekend and I'm going to go to Australia and New Zealand for two months. And yeah. she's like, no, 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 we're married. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah, but no, I've got to go and do this. She's like, no, 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 when you marry someone, you want them around a bit. Yeah, and oh, I, yeah. I think, I think <laughs> you can't sell it. You cannot sell it. That's the reality is because you can't say, do you know that wedding we're going to in 11 months' time? <laughs> I'm in Glasgow. Yeah. You can't, it's a ridiculous thing to say. But the, the thing with Gemma is, and I think this is the, this is the thing, is that we, we met at university, we sort of bonded over comedy. Yeah, right. Our first, like, this is like, it was in like the mid-90s. There was, so we were watching telly in a communal room, like, yeah, like we were watching I'm Alan Partridge. This is how long ago it was. And uh, we sort of got chatting over comedy. So it's like, right. it was the thing that brought us together, the thing that nearly split us apart, yeah. and then the thing that brought us together again. So wow. like, it's, it's always been there as a running theme. And I think, I think the difficulty I got is that I was, the, the, main, the, the point where it became a really difficult decision was I was offered, my boss has been, was brilliant basically, because I always used to think, oh, it's, it's such a weird thing. I was a product designer, which was like a really high pressured job. Everything was scrutinized and criticized. Well, thank God I got out of that game. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> what a relief that was to sidestep into the same anxiety. It's I'm an idiot. I mean, and it's just such a stupid thing, isn't it, to go from one and how he didn't know. He was so understanding as well because I'd be sat at my desk exhausted, and he'd be like, "Oh, you look a bit tired." I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I think it's the new baby." I've been to Newcastle. I've been didn't get in till three. Do you know what I mean? Of course, I'm exhausted, and he's sort of like. And, and I think this is the thing, because I was having to then, whenever I was in a meeting at like sort of five o'clock, I'd be clock watching. Yeah. And like not present, because I'm thinking, oh, I've got to go, because I've yeah. got a gig. And it's ridiculous, because I'm sat in a job where I'm earning more money, and I want to go to a gig for 50 quid. <laughs> and I'm going, no, that's the priority. Yeah. And it's re in, that builds and builds to the point where the real crux came was that um, he offered me a role as a director. Oh, wow. So, like, I remember he sort of sat down and he says, look, you've been here a while now. I'll, I'll make you... You don't have to buy any... I'll give you the shares. I'll give you all... We, you, tell me how much you want. It was like one of those conversations where I was yeah. sat there and all I could think when he was saying that was, I can't do it. I can't. Really? This is going to... This is... And then... But then all I was thinking is, Gemma... Gemma wasn't working at the time. We had a baby. We were going to have another... And I was thinking, this can solve so many problems, this. Yeah. All I have to do is to take one for the team. And then you're thinking, well, what's more important? Is, is my dream more important than my yeah. stability in my family? And that, that I didn't, I, I'd, I'd had mental health wobbles before, but this one I couldn't get out my head because really? the guilt was just, yeah. just used to eat me up. And then I sort of, in the same week then, I was offered tour support with Rob Bryden. Wow. To go out on, yeah. On like, and that was going to be 30 nights. Well, there's only so many dental appointments you can use as an excuse. <laughs> and I used to say that all the time. My kids were ill so often. I'm surprised they didn't organise a fundraiser. You know, like, 
I was leaving. My car was in the garage. He was like, how often is your car in the garage, though? <laughs> just to like, just to not admit, because once you let in that conversation of I'm doing gigs, it's a weird, they, there's, a, there's a weird energy. Because yeah. he'd built that business up from nothing. Oh, really? So he'd, that was his dream. Yeah. That he'd started in his loft, built right. it up, going to share it with me. Yeah. I've got this other dream going. There was just so much going on. Mate. So then I got to the point where I, I came home and it was making me really, really ill. Because um, this had been on your mind for a while. Yes. Mulling it over, yeah. Yeah, and, and secretly, I knew I wanted that decision to come. But when it comes, it's much. it never plays out the way you want it to play out. No. And um, so then I, I, I didn't know what to do. And it was getting to the point where it was making me ill. And I ended up having, like the, you know, the CBT. Yeah, I signed yeah, up for yeah. CBT. Well, this was hilarious because this... <laughs> the CBT uh, woman who was doing the CBT was amazing, but she sort of said, so explain the problem then. And I said, um, I want to be a comedian. <laughs> and I could hear myself going, you sound like you're having the biggest midlife crisis, mate. <laughs> so you've been offered what? Director, a car, healthcare, and you want to go to Hull? <laughs> On a Wednesday for no money to perform for two people and a dog. <laughs> I can't help you. I can't help you. You're a dad. You need to sort your life out. But then it was like a weird thing because when you start talking about it, the actual fundamental problem is it, it taps into your childhood as well. And when she started to unravel it, I was like, oh, they're very good at that, aren't they? Yes, they are very good at that. That's and all they, they do is let you talk. Yeah. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, the basically I'd had this perfectionism and this OCD streak for years. Yeah, and everything in my life had been sort of engineered. Like I, my dad worked shifts. Uh, my mum looked after me. You know, you get your job, you get your, you get a degree. You got a degree, mate. You got into debt to do this job. That's yeah. the real stupid. Like you've you've should be. That's where you should be. Yeah. And then this thing comes in, and then it, we did these weird things where she sort of said, "I cannot." guarantee it's going to be all right and that's all I did every day I'd sit in there and go can you tell me it's going to be all right and she'd go no because <laughs> that's life isn't it and I'd be yeah. like no but I need to know that this is going to pay off yeah because this is like a roulette wheel like, I've put everything like all my life on the yeah, line here like, and I yeah. used to say it's like it's like it's like I've put all our family's savings on a racehorse and if that wasn't bad enough, I've made my wife be the jockey. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So she's sort of getting thrown along like this. She's like, I didn't even want to be a jockey. I'm too big. <laughs> and the kids, the kids are at the back there. They're like on the, hardling onto the tail. Going, we just want a dad to be at home. And it's that moment. Like, I don't think like in comedy, it's not very popular to have that in the background. No. And every time a comedian I spoke to had that, like there's lots, like there's Rob Rouse on yeah. the circuit. Like he's one I'd look to where he'd have like a family life and I'd be like, oh God, you can do it. You can yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that sort of moment of, you know, you, the, the fear of doing it yeah. was, was so it was unbelievably difficult. And it, what, did you, what did your wife say when you, when you said, listen, well, this has happened? This is what you do, right? If you want to make a decision and follow your dreams, the simple thing to the, the, what to do is to get your wife to go back to work. <laughs> Which is what she did, mate. This is the, what an incredible sacrifice yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just said, oh, you go to work, right? Yeah. And, I, and, and uh, she said, no, I'll go to work. You can, you do this. And I, and I still can't, I can never repay her for that. No. In a weird way. I can never, I can never, 
sort of repay that, tell her thank you enough but for that. She also knows that. She also believed in you. Yeah. She knew that you had it in you to, to achieve what you've achieved. Yeah. And I think I just needed that push, yeah, really. Because I think if you'd have been shit at this, it would have yeah. been a different conversation. I think that's the thing. If we'd have been four years in and I was still going to Hull for 50 quid, yeah, 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 she yeah. would have gone, I think we need to have a bit of a chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I think you're disillusional. You know? but, and, and it was that sort of moment where you... Once it, once it happened then, because this is the thing then, it's sort of like a there's a self-belief that you didn't know yeah. you had. Because I, I, I sort of mentioned the, the, the childhood thing that she got out of me. Um, because like I, when I was 15, I, it's so weird. I looked at my timeline and I had like crisis every 10 years. Right, okay. So I'm due one in about six months. <laughs> so check my Twitter timeline. If any tweets come up at four in the morning, check in on me. Because um, like, when I was 15, I remember like I... Um, I had a weird moment where I had, a, had to have a testicle removed. What? Like, yeah, yeah. So I had a, I lost a testicle, clumsy. I know, but. Um, <laughs> well, where did you leave it? I know that's what someone <laughs> said to me. Oh God, that's it. Uh, Down the back of the sofa. Where or was it? Where did you? Where, did, where, did, where was where the last time? Yeah, you had yeah. It? Where, retrace your steps. Where did you have it? Um, but no, it was like a, it was like a twist. They twisted right. in the middle of the night, and I remember like it was 15. I was coming up to my GCSEs. And I was a, like a proper, like at that time as well, I, I wasn't good with pressure even back then. Uh, and sort of like that moment came in. And when you're 15 and that, that was a massive crisis. So I had that, that was whipped in. And also because there was like medical negligence because they could have sorted it out, no. but they were too delayed. Like they sent me home with a pulled muscle. Yeah. And then I was rushed back in. And then I woke up and they'd taken it, which was... <laughs> It sounds ridiculous. Some surgeon off with it in a doggy bag. Like, oh, sorry, pal. Um, you wake up in a bar full of ice. Yeah, yeah. Going. This is. This. Is, I know I want to do comedy, but I didn't want to fund it this way. There's, there's arts council grants available. You know, let's not start lopping off organs, mate. Uh, but it was that sort of that moment because at 15 as well, you, it's a weird time in it. You're like all these emotions yeah. and hormones, and that sort of like took my confidence I was quite getting quite confident at being a person well that sent me backwards I think yeah right because like in that moment you're like you sort of think oh god this is this is a major thing that's happened and I, I really struggled to get back then but the thing that helped me get back was comedy in a weird way really yeah because then yeah. I started sort of it was in the sort of like early 90s so it was like the day-to-day -day and uh, brass eye and all this sort of thing started to that it was a good time for comedy, and I yeah. sort of like ended up being a bit of a hermit and just sort of finding confidence and lightness do you in think it, comedy. A, do you think, in a subconscious level, it's because you lost a testicle, it made you feel, for want of a better phrase, less of a man? Half a man, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And and I think like um, it is that it is that sort of thing. Like even to this day, like I'm a bit afraid of hospitals. Like mm. Gemma's saying, you need we need to have the snip and stuff. Right, and I'm like, Jesus. you can forget it, mate. Last time I went in there, they took a testicle. Do you know what I mean? I said to her, you don't go back and park your alloys, and park your car in the same street where someone nicked your alloys. <laughs> You've got to learn from these experiences, haven't you? You don't go back and ask for it again. No. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A podcast from producer Paul UK. But the real, the real weird moment is, so obviously, like, I, I quit my job and then I was still having CBT. Yeah. And, like, I, then it was real then. And Gemma had gone back teaching. She's a teacher. And uh, so she, this was dead sort of sweet of her. She'd sort of, like, um, bought me a shed. Right, now I'll explain what that means. Right, so we... we <laughs> She, when I'd quit uh, my job, she sort of like, I came home and she, there's this shed in the bottom of the garden. It said like Scott's writing shed on it. No. Which is so sweet. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're saying all, but think about the dynamic of what that is. <laughs> She's gone, this man is so irritating <laughs> that I need him as far away from the house, but still being in the house. And I was at the bottom of the garden. It was like she kept contained me. But it was like a way of going, right, this is your new life. Yeah. You can embrace this now. And, yeah. and I think from that point on, that was the start of the recovery, really. I still did the, the therapy and stuff. But it was like, um, it was that moment where I did stop asking for guarantees because I thought, no, this is, this is it now. And, and I think you sort of, I, I, I accepted that you just sort of get one hit at life, yeah. really, don't you? Yeah. And I think yeah. if I'd have stayed in that job, I'd have probably, you know, I'd have given the children everything they want. But they do they want a dad who's not got the guts to, you know, what happens if they sort of get to a point where, you know, my daughter's really into the arts. I mean, I felt like saying to you, have you not learned anything <laughs> from daddy? Like, my life is 24-7 Hamilton. <laughs> that is all it is. She wraps around the house. She's obsessed. She's in the stage coach thing on a Saturday morning. So she wants to be... On stage, yeah. and I think it was because like we we took them to the V Festival, and they were she was stood watching from the side. Right. Then yeah. she went and ploughed through the rider. <laughs> <laughs> there was no fee left. She's had about eleven sandwiches, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Smuggling brownies in a cagoule. I was like, <laughs> and I think she watched that, and then because and imagine if she'd have turned around and thought, well, I remember Dad doing this, but then I remember him stopping yeah, for some yeah. reason. Yeah. So I think there's a there's like a it's it's almost like there's a message there, isn't there? Really, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of, how, of how you balance it. But but it's still, I'll be honest with you, this pandemic has brought back those feelings. I had like a week, yeah, after the pandemic when the pandemic started and you lost your diary, and everything stopped. Yeah, I had that little voice in my head going, "You see, you should have said why you things. shouldn't." 
do these things, mate. No, mate. Because the dream will become a nightmare. And that, <laughs> and honestly, went backwards again. Started CBT again. Really? Yeah, just because I think you, it's like a, it's like a thing that the thing I was putting on everything working out, then things start to yeah. fall apart. And it's almost like the validation of that inner demon. We all, isn't yeah, it? there was a moment we thought it wasn't coming back. Yeah. We thought this was it. And we all, like, I was doing painting and decorating and uh, laboring and driving vans and working yeah. in a t shirt place because we thought that this had gone. We were never mm. going to do this again. And knowing you, I don't know you that well, but I, I have spent time in your company. Mm. You, you are quite sort of a worrier. Yeah. And you're on edge. Terrible. Like we went, we, there was one Christmas and we <laughs> bought, we, I'm going to tell him. We this went, is folklore now. Yeah. He looks after himself, and now I know why he looks after himself more than I do, because he's been through so much. That that that's so traumatic to go through what you went through as a as a kid. Yeah. But I we we had a KFC backstage at the at the last laugh, and uh, I didn't we didn't realise Scott had never had a KFC. <laughs> I mean, I was no I wonder was. he's so forty one. <laughs> Never had a KFC, and we were like, "No, it's, it's just chicken and chips." And this is how up. this is how drugs start, <laughs> isn't it? Imagine that backstage. It's just chicken and chips, mate. Yeah, but it's gateway chicken and chips. <laughs> you start on the chicken and chips before you know it. You're having a kebab. <laughs> you're on the street. There's people resuscitating you. Before you know it, you go red buried in a lasagna. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a chicken and chip. They're big going like that. Just chicken and chips, mate. Come on, taste the gravy. Have a little. Come on! <laughs> it was your drawing me, all of you. Peer pressure. We all do it, mate. Everyone does chicken and chips. You're in. You're in the arts now. We all do chicken. And it was. It was <laughs> and he went. All it right. So all right. I'll have it. All right. I'll have it. So we all got it. And then we're all sitting there stuffing our fat heads. And then we look across at him, and he's he's chucked a whitey. Honestly, there was too much grease. My body couldn't, my body rejected it. Before the gig, before the gig, he was just like. I, honestly, I thought I was in palpitations. I was ringing Frank. You know that? I got through. He said, what's happened? What have you had? What have you taken? I said, a Zinger burger. A Zinger burger and some coleslaw. They made me do it. He said, just calm down, have some water. We'll talk you down. <laughs> we did that. We got, <laughs> it was awful. We all sort of gathered around him. There was water and then they were like... We, but that was like one minute and then the rest of the time I was like, you fucking pussy. Yeah, you saw yourself. I couldn't... I couldn't. <laughs> so we, did, we go for far from being understanding and, oh, yeah. and open and, oh, we should take care of each other. We were like, ah. Yeah, it was like being on a stag do. <laughs> And I bailed out. But I, quite, I think that's what the thing. I, I, I don't know. It was like you'd showed me the other way. We'd been round. We'd had a cracking weekend. I'd showed him some cookers I designed. Then he, <laughs> then he got me off my bonds on a KFC. It's like a, it's the most surreal weekend. Of, we really bonded. <laughs> I don't know we what really we did bonded. on Sunday. Naked go-karting or something. Imagine <laughs> so that. Two guys in their oh, 40s naked go-karting. With my one test, with my one testicle yeah. on the seat. <laughs> be a lot of drag. I'm a, a bit, I'm a bit faster because I'm streamlined. <laughs> it sound like a balloon on the outside of a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But yeah, I'm over it. Let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. No, I am. <laughs> I am genuinely over it. It's um, it is weird because I think um, you do. Someone said to me like that's like your body is like a like a, you just build up like all the scars is like a like a bit of a, yeah. a tapestry in it. It's like a, you get that. So I don't know. People have had much worse things that happened. Yeah. But like for about I think they told my mum and dad, like um, 
for about like it could have been like a, a tumor like for like, for like yeah, a, really. i didn't know any of this like like my mum just lost it do you know yeah. what i mean like so i think you're in that moment where you're like at a turning corner but it's sort of like a lot of people have much worse things happen but i think for me the i think guilt was the overriding emotion because i oh that's the thing i forgot to say like it's a really difficult thing my children still don't know what i do what they still don't get it it's wonderful oh, in a way because they'll sort of like see me like like they'll, they'll, they'll sometimes like the worst bit was sometimes when olivia was like tiny she was like daddy where are you going it was like saturday i said i've got to go out she was like again I was like, yeah, again. And like, she looked at me as if to say, well, you just go. You go. Because if we stayed in, we'd only be making memories. Oh. And it's like, <laughs> when you have to look into her eyes and say, I've got, I've got a stoke, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to have a better night than I am. <laughs> and you sort of, but they sort of get it now in a weird way. And, and I, I think my life's been made up of parallels, like the comedy with Gemma and then yeah. the comedy being the decision. And, and then like uh, my youngest one, Olivia, coming out of the pandemic, she's 11 now. She had a really difficult time. And I, and I looked at it and then I thought, oh my God, we are out the same pod here, right? This is the same. Yeah. We are the same person because her life was school. Uh, uh, organised, she had her friends, she had a routine, and it blew it out the water. And she struggled yeah. really badly, like to the point where she developed this sort of fixation on time. So everything had to be done in a certain time. So like, if she didn't have her breakfast finished by nine, because that's when school normally starts, she'd have like a panic attack. Oh, really? So she'd start, like seeing an 11 year old having that was yeah, yeah, frightening. Yeah. So, but the, the, the really good thing was, because I'd been through that, I was really getting deep then. Is that what you want on this podcast, Rich? When I start being vulnerable, you cut the power. Mate, you, you were like, you were like, you were funny before. We had that KFC chat. Now you've gone dark. Cut the power. People are listening to this on the way to work, mate. I see you getting all depressed. I saw producer Paul just doing that like. Oh, sorry, Paul. I'll keep it light. So what do we do? Do we carry on? I think we just carry on. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> One person on a hill. Yes! <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I feel like I have to project now. Yeah, you have to read Shakespeare. Stand up and do it. I can't project on a tender moment. <laughs> it's not normal to shout, and then she had a panic attack! <laughs> 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 11 years old! Oh, Brian Blessed! <laughs> and then she had a pipe! She's, she's alive now! <laughs> she's alive? She's alive and well! And had CBT! <laughs> so she, she had the same things as me, basically. Yeah. So we were, and Gemma has been through the same thing with her anxiety. And so we were able to, we were able to sort of. We, we, she's still having CBT, isn't Really? Olivia. And it's really interesting because an 11 year old in that situation, she won't speak. She, literally to us, she's just sort of like head down, but then you put her in this room and she becomes this kid I didn't even know we had. Yeah, right. Because like, they, 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 the same thing happened when we were at the fringe. We took, we took them to the fringe every year and my children go from being working class feral to, to oh, we're back. Yay. Do I have to repeat that? 
No. She's um, alive! She's alive! That was really good. I hope they got that Brian Blessed bit. Um, <laughs> so she goes, my children at the Edinburgh Fringe are wonderful because they go from like these feral working class kids to sort of middle class yeah. children. They sort of go, oh, like we, we get them to see everything. Like Gemma gets tickets to them all like, and she'll go, she'll meet me after my show. And she'll be like, oh, daddy, the Japanese theatre. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how are you the same kid, mate? <laughs> you don't ever speak to me at home. Just, oh, it was wonderful. They spliced origami in. And... But yeah, so she, so she went through the same thing. So we were able to sort of help her through it. And yeah. she's sort of, she's back now and sort of feels like, but it was that moment where I, like, I recognise when your life gets blown apart by something. Yeah. For her, it was the pandemic. For me, it was that decision. Yeah. It was almost like the parallel... Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. the same emotions. Yeah. And, and I think that's the real positive. If someone in your family's been through that, you can see it coming a mile off and you go, I've, I, I can see that. It's nice that you recognised it because she's young as well. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I don't know about anyone about my age, we didn't talk about feelings and things like that. No, your parents didn't ever really turn around and go, are you all right? Yeah. It was just like, just fuck off out for a bit. It's just in me way. Yeah. You know, they didn't turn around and go, oh, he hasn't said anything today. They'd be like, oh, thank God he's been quiet all day. I, I think the other thing is because my dad was a fireman. Yeah. He internalised everything because it's that they don't chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like get firemen just going, you know, before we go out and put that fire out, I'm feeling really vulnerable. And they were like, just get your wellies on your knobhead. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think that's the, that, so yeah. he internalised it. And I think the other thing is, and, I, and this is again, I'm not, I, I've just remembered this. My mum had issues that we, when we got talking, yeah. me and my mum, we had a weird relationship, but we've got, it's got better as the years have gone older. She was, when she was, I must have been about four, her mum was actually sectioned. No. Because she had postnatal depression. Yeah. So back in like the 50s, they didn't really understand what that was. So they just sort of freaked out. And she was actually, and she remembers like when she was a kid, they had to take her off her mum. Really? So the authorities, yeah. th th she remembers her mum ran away with her to try and out. And like they, they actually took her off her in the middle of the street. And, I, and when she told me this, I was like, I can't actually believe it yeah. so then she was brought up in in care wow. like, until her dad her dad came back from overseas and adopted her again it was a mad time and yeah. then and then i sort of think well you know i can sort of see why she's the way she is yeah. and like she constantly seeks like validation which of obviously course, i yeah. can't relate to <laughs> yeah who needs in that anyway hey? who needs that hey, positive mate? affirmation but, from uh but it's it's a weird so i've got I've, it's always been in your life i think when you have something yeah you look back and you go you feel like as a kid like oh, i had a pretty standard childhood i had i had no trauma as such yeah. so i sort of got to the point sometimes when you look at these like like Eminem and all these like massive things on Richard Pryor who've been brought up in trailer parks and brothels and stuff. You were like, I needed that from a <laughs> Edinburgh show. I needed like a bit of tragedy <laughs> yeah, in my life. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's no tragedy. Oh yeah, I helped dad tidy the shed on an hot day. <laughs> That's really hard work. Well, I'll you tell know? you what, you're saying that about your, about your parents. I recently, so Father's Day came and my parents have never really... They've never really made a fuss on special days. They were like we we didn't want for anything. Like Christmas was nice, and but your birthday was it got to it was like what do you want? I'll just give you money. Like never really they never surprised you with gifts and like wrapped up. They never really made a fuss. And then you realise that's because they they didn't have it when they were yeah. growing up. They didn't have that fuss, mate. So it didn't register with them. Yeah. So Father's Day this year was really weird. 
my I was talking about this podcast with my dad, and he went, "Well, we didn't have all that. We didn't need all that growing up. We just got on with it. We just got. We didn't." I went, "Yeah, but that's why you and our generation now have all got mental health issues. We yeah. should you should have been talking." So we're on the way into this. You drive me to the station, and he suddenly starts telling me about his mum and how horrific his mum was. Wow! Fucking horrible monster that used to just just pummel her husband, my dad's dad, into the floor. Yeah. And just there was one point where he said that he stood up to his mum and just went, "You leave my fucking dad alone." And uh, he and the dad said, "Don't do that. You'll make it worse." Wow. And so you this all and I went, "Oh, now I get it." Yeah. Now I get why you were so angry with when I was a child. Yeah. And why you and why you had certain issues, trouble dealing with certain things. Yeah. Because you hadn't spoken. And far, so far from getting on with it, Dad, <laughs> you should have gone and spoke to someone. But yeah. it just goes to show he's seventy-five, and he's still and he still opened up at seventy-five. So there's still a chance. It's never you're never too old. Yeah. And to I, open up. I think that stigma's going as well because I I've seen like the way Olivia. 11-year-old, I wasn't that at 11. No. I never had that level of understanding of my own feelings. I'm, I'm blown away. Like, she will, she will sit and just chat. Like, she'll, sit, she'll say, I'm feeling a bit wobbly today. Really? And I'll be like, what's happening? And she'll just tell me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much easier yeah. than going, what's wrong, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. and I think that's, that's the one massive positive, really, yeah. out of the whole thing. But, but yeah, and I think, like, I think this is... I sort of step back from it all and think that that unit of like Gemma and the kids and it's has been like the the massive thing that's got that's still there because yeah. the the weird thing was when the pandemic happened and I mentioned the shed me and Gemma started doing live streams from that's the shed right. yeah yeah so yeah. like she's she's big into comedy and she's really funny in her own right and um we sort of started doing this so like it's a weird thing like we're back we were back together again in a time of crisis using comedy yeah yeah coming yeah, back again. together it's sort of it's become like they should prescribe it <laughs> comedy we're effectively key workers <laughs> that's what we're doing we're saving every one of you. I, do you do you know what though Rich I did think that the other day I do think like you know obviously it'd be great if there was no anxiety but there'd be no market for us if there was oh absolutely imagine you know if everyone I mean? was happy well, yeah everyone you know one wants that. I mean, I think there's there's very few comedy nights in the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, no one's walking down a sandy beach, sipping a cocktail out of a coconut, going, do you know what I need? Some escapism. <laughs> I need a proper laugh, yeah. mate. You know, that's... But here in an amphitheatre is where you need Cambridge in a field. Yeah, Coming absolutely. out of a global pandemic, it's... Yeah. Absolutely. This week, this entire weekend has really brought everyone together. It's been lovely. Yeah. Considering our shit, we've had it for the last God knows how long. And mm. yeah, you needed this. This is yeah. why this is, you need that. You do need night. You do need things I need, like, like nights where you go and have a laugh and just cut loose. Yeah. And yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's so important. And I, and I think like I don't probably put a, a, um, a value on comedy enough in, in helping me through any problems. Yeah. Sort of my go-to thing. It's a, and, and I think I saw that in the pandemic with all these Zoom gigs we were doing. We sort of like a community built up and you sort of thought like, oh God, I can see now that that is the relief. Yeah. Because like those people might have been going through everything. They're in the, and, and that becomes the medication almost in... In the escapism, in it, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what what people are doing. So I think it people don't put, probably put value on it enough. And I think it's unlike music, in that there's a connection with the person more. Yeah. And I think you're able to sort of almost counsel each other, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Through I think it. it's I think what the pandemic showed as well is that we are social 
sociable creatures. Mm. We do need each other. That's why things like religion are so still very big. Mm. It's not necessarily about believing. They, they, they get, take comfort in believing that there's something or somebody else looking after you. But also it's the community. Mm. It's that sense of community. And that's what we lost with the pandemic. We, didn't, we weren't needed anywhere. Uh, we didn't have any choice. Mm. Like we weren't, we didn't have choice. You can just, even if you don't go to the pub, you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere. Mm. And we weren't able to socialise. And we needed that. And that's why I think the Zoom gigs were important. Mm. And, it's good. and before that, there were people that didn't leave the house anyway. Like people like, like, like Jamie, like people, in, like people like wheelchair users or have, or have care or, or are agoraphobic or whatever. And, they're already, and they felt suddenly that they were part of something. Yeah, that there was suddenly they could go to gigs because we were being beamed into your house. It's a really nice thing, and that's why I think the Zoom gigs and that should carry on. Yeah, just to still to keep to bring people together. Because I, I mean, I still have the one anxiety I can't get rid of. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and and it, and, I, and I don't know if anyone knows how to deal with this one because I, I, it's time for me. I just feel like I've never got I've not got enough time. Yeah, to do what I want to do, and that and that's because I started late in comedy. And I feel like it's like I've got I'm on a limited time. I'm, I, I, every day I'm thinking like I've got less time than any other comic, or, or younger comics, because I've yeah. got like I feel like I've got to. It's something's got to happen to validate the decision I made to jack in the job. And I, I'm still I'm probably not fully over it. If I'm being, I probably need to. I, I need more CBT. Is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but I think like that. But then someone said to me, "Well, you are sort of doing it." Because you're on stage at a festival, you are yeah. doing stand-up. You you sort of this is it. Yeah, this is it. You're, this yeah. is the dream. Yeah, this is. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not like, how I pictured it. I'll be honest. Like, it's, it's more like a stress dream. <laughs> I mean, we got we got a man who could be fishing from that hut at the back, but um, <laughs> it, it it does feel no. But I think there's a sort of there's a there's a constant desire never to stand and appreciate where you are and to try and chase the next. Yeah. The next thing, and I think like that's probably, but that's that's very difficult as well. When you you sort of like, I, I am I am thinking of the end game, and like the kids are getting older, they're going to want to do things, and you sort of like society's pressures yeah. of, and I think the pandemic may have got people to review that. I think so. The treadmill of life, you yeah. know, and that that what you should be and when you should be. I think people have sort of step back and think, well, it, it's about control and being. Yeah who you are and being a person and centred rather than chasing stuff that doesn't really matter, well, does this it? Is it? I think it showed how fragile everything is. Mm. You know, it, 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 within, within seconds, that everything had been shut down. The, mm. the thing that we'd never imagined in a million years. Mm. Suddenly, we weren't, we weren't allowed out. We had to run around buying groceries and things like that to make sure we had enough. Mm. And I think it, it does make you realise how fragile this is and how spectacular it is that we actually exist. I know that sounds really, mm. you know, hippy-dippy, but we, we exist. Yeah, yeah. And that blows my mind yeah. that, we, that we exist and we're able, we're aware that we exist. That's the thing that gets me. I mean, we still question it and go, why do we exist and all that rubbish? And then you do some mushrooms and you go, oh, that's why I exist. <laughs> or some KFC. Yeah, yeah, or KFC. And uh, yeah, yeah. if you want to really go far out, guys, have a little bit of a lick of a chicken drumstick and... Uh, <laughs> off you go. Off you go. I think we should do it for old time's sake. I think... Were you looking at us and we were like all cartoons? <laughs> it, went, it went all yellow submarine. I got on stage and my first words, I nearly said, I'm so sorry, I've had a KFC. <laughs> I think you're actually sweating. I'm sweating, honestly. <laughs> I'm still having proper palpitations. 
Colonel's secret recipe. I don't know what it is, but it should be illegal. <laughs> um, and where are you at now? So you are you still are you getting yourself back together? Yeah. It sounds like you've got a nice family unit that helps you with that, like you said. Yes. And I think me and Gemma have reached a, a point where because then the interesting thing was the footnote to all this. When I started going stand up and did the support for Rob, things started to get better. Things yeah. things I became. I started writing for telly and radio, and writing for people. And I sort of stepped back and thought, "Oh God, this is going to be okay." Yeah. And then Gemma said, "Right, I'm quitting my job." <laughs> <laughs> and she genuinely said, "Right, I'm quitting teaching now." So that's it. So and and, and I was like, "Right, okay, brilliant." So now it's the roles reversed. So then yeah. she started her own business, uh, which is sort of teaching languages to little kids and stuff. And um, so we sort of became like this understanding of like the push and pull of you know I think I never really understood when you, when you sort of get married you never really understand the sacrifices and the the uh, dynamic until it happens I think until yeah. it's challenged do you know what I yeah, mean yeah, I think yeah. you just think you just wander around Ikea and Dunelm <laughs> and then just agree on cushions and that's marriage it's not there's more to it um, well, you're a team aren't you like you said you yeah, back each other up and then, and then and I think she I mean I must admit she's doing the more she's a warrior right because she's she's pretty much been there for the kids and I've had to leave early yeah. and I've been away and stuff but we've sort of developed a sort of a system that's working and she I think the thing is she believes in what I'm doing yeah and that's a Thing that you all, can't that's, you that's all you want really yeah. because like I said it is unsellable it, it is it is impossible that I, and I we do miss out on things and we do not do certain things yeah. and I am a nightmare when I'm on a holiday like the first three days is like she's like you're on, trying to detox like I'm just sat around the pool just sort of letting it all come out it takes it, it takes days for me to relax I need a safari not a holiday I need to be away for like about six months and on the last day a proper zen like I'll be having a massage pedicure and then I'll be proper then I have to go home you know so it's like I think I think so she so she's on board with it and I think we are moving together and I think the doing this stuff in the pandemic together has made it feel like a joint venture yeah more than it yeah. possibly was before yeah and, and, you, and you talk to each other about your anxieties and yeah because she, she's got the anxiety of uh death which is quite a common one of like worrying about people passing away and uh, 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 family passing away and stuff because we've not had that yet and that's coming and that's why i think this job is so weird because one day i'm gonna have to stand on stage and make people laugh when something yeah. tragic's happened and that's a real juxtaposition and yeah. emotion, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, uh, and I think, like, with, with Gemma, she's got that thing of, like... And, I, and it's the same thing, because I can't say to her, no one's going to die. Oh, or, yeah. when not, nothing's going to happen. I have to just reassure her and go, well, this is the sort of deal that you have when you're yeah. with life, isn't it? It's part yeah. of the tapestry of it. So, wow, man. So, yeah, we have... It has been, like... I mean, I, I, I think I don't need CBT. I've got Gemma, and I, really? Should, I just don't need CBT. I just... <laughs> Chew her ear off for a bit. <laughs> and another thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been good, really. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's an ongoing process. Yeah. There's this weird understanding that people think, oh, I'm going to have therapy, then everything's going to be all right. Mm. It's just, you're always constantly working on yourself mm. until, you're not, until you're not here anymore. It's just a constant thing. Always yeah. trying to better yourself, trying to you know, look after yourself, look after people around you. It's an ongoing thing. There isn't really a destination as such. Yeah, just keep going as best you can. And I hope, like I, I was saying to my mum, like I think she should talk to someone 
Because I don't think that I don't think when they're that age, it's not very popular, is it, to do that? No. And and I think like my dad's great, but he's not really. If if my dad uh, if my dad sort of said, uh, you know, my mum said, oh, I'm feeling a bit troubled, Roy. He'd just go in the shed and saw some it. <laughs> he, he yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't sort of be there. Do you know what I mean? He'd be, yeah. like, he'd be, he'd be a, let's do some plastering. Well, it was all yeah. it was all whenever I did speak to my dad, we were always doing something else. Like he'd be under the car. Dads were always under the car when I was a kid. <laughs> Every, every, under the car, oh, we just about to go out on a family trip and we'd all get in the car, all the bags and all the things, all the, all the packed lunches and that, and then the bonnet of the car would go up. <laughs> <laughs> just got to check the oil, just yeah, got to yeah. check, the, check the fluids. You didn't recognise your dad because he didn't look like an Austin Allegro. From like, <laughs> for the first seven years, he was just a bonnet and then trousers. <laughs> yeah, just feet sticking out. <laughs> yeah. I always recognise, that's why I've got a foot face, I could just see the feet, the feet all the time. Yeah, what, what do you do about, you look like your dad, what, overalls and Doc Martens? I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is they, it. you've got your dad's shoes, Richard. <laughs> walking in his shoes. He's walking, literally walking in another man's shoes. Yeah, they did do that a lot, didn't yeah, they? But yeah, you're, but you're all right. Yeah, yeah, I feel good, mate. Yeah, I feel, and I, and I feel like um, really enjoying doing the stand-up and really enjoying it coming back and I'm really enjoying sort of yeah good place feel centred and nice. you're happy do you know what I mean lovely. so yeah really I'm really good. pleased you came on to do this today it's been an absolute Thanks, pleasure mate it's been, mate. It's been great and you're chatting. on here at two o'clock here yeah yeah so come back well, honestly I'm not just saying it because he's here one of the best in the business yeah. we'll have a really good time in Scott's company this has been lovely, Scott. Yeah, I'm on the main stage at 6.30 as well because I have ego. So, <laughs> come in the dream. Come and see the same jokes done in a different environment. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you yeah. so much for coming out and listening to us. Uh, this will be going out on Thursday. It will be, it's available, Insane in the Membrane is available on all podcast platforms. Uh, it's, on, it's, on, it's on everywhere. So uh, do find it. Do, do follow us on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. What are your, what are your, where can we find you online? Uh, ScottBennettComedy.co.uk uh, at ScottBComedyUK on the socials. There we are. And I am Rich Wilson on Twitter. I am Rich Wilson on Instagram. Insane in the Membrane, Thembrane, and Fembrain are all available everywhere so do follow us we've also got merch as well so you go to Save Our Souls Clothing and if you put in the code MENBRAIN uh, it's, uh, you'll, you'll get 15% off not just our merch but off their entire range get on that so there we are our wonderful sponsor Save Our Souls Clothing Mr Scott Bennett this has been wonderful thank, thank you. you so much round of applause Thanks for Scott Bennett me. thank you and that's it thank you so much for coming as I say, do join us. We're going to be, I'm going to be over, the, uh, over there at uh, 10 past four. I'm going to be doing a set. And do link up with us online, and it'd be lovely. Have a chat. If you are struggling or feeling you know, a bit under the weather, talk to someone. Talk to someone. Honestly, you will feel a million times better if you just reach out and say, can I have a chat? Or ask our people, how are you doing? Or do you know what? I get messages all the time. Message me. I'll have a chat with you. <laughs> Honestly, someone else said that. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm just opening yourself up. No dick pics, please. Not since the last time. Anyway, thank you so much for coming. I've been Rich Wilson. Producer Paul up there in the box. Thank you, Producer Paul, coming all this way. Mr. Scott Bennett. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Insane in the membrane. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.